Welcome to the Unveiling Grace podcast, a place to experience a grace that heals. Allow this grace to take your life and your relationships to another level as it frees you from the weight of performance-based religion. Enjoy another episode as Joel Groh and Lynn Wilder share encouraging stories and candid dialogue that can help you experience a grace that heals. Welcome to another episode of the Unveiling Grace podcast. I'm Lynn Wilder. And I'm Joel Grote. And today on the podcast, we've got a special guest. We've got Micah Wilder. And if any of you have followed Adam's Road or listened to any of their music or seen their concerts or been on their website or have Jesus is Enough gear, then you're familiar with Micah's name. Today, our focus on this podcast episode is going to be his upcoming book that will be out when, Micah? Uh, June 2nd. Okay, June 2nd. The book is titled Passport to Heaven. It's Micah's story. And it's it's so cool because as we were talking about off air before we started a recording just now, we were talking about how God is a pursuing God. And this is really a story of God's pursuit. God came after <laughs> Micah uh, yeah. while he was on his mission and even in things before that. And so we just want to ask him some questions about his book, uh, find out kind of what went into that and hear a little bit more of his story. So Micah, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for being with us. Thank you so much. I appreciate you having me. And for those who may not know, uh, Micah is Lynn's son. And writing obviously runs in the family because they both do it very well. And I just want to say I'm so excited about this coming out, Micah. Um, it's a great story. So am I, Joel. So where should we start with questions, Lynn? Yeah. <laughs> so am I. Well, let's have Micah tell the audience a little bit about himself for those who may not be familiar with his story or with Adam's robe. Absolutely. Ministry. So yeah, go ahead and start there, Micah. Just a bit of background, who you are. Yeah, so uh, I was I was born and raised in a devout Mormon home. Um, I spent my high school years out in Utah. My mother Lynn was a professor at BYU, and uh, we really kind of uh, in the in the Mormon sense we we had everything, and and we we believed uh, and lived out all of the tenets of our faith. And and as a teenager, I was very uh, devoted to following the laws and the ordinances of Mormonism. Uh, I served a mission in nineteen. I went to Orlando, Florida. And, uh, and, and it was during that two-year mission experience that God miraculously changed my life. And, and that's really what my, my upcoming book, Passport to Heaven, encompasses, is that two years of, like you said, how God pursued um, a young Mormon missionary, a young Pharisee, which is really what I was, and, and brought me to the precipice of, of, of his amazing grace that, that ultimately changed my life. It brought me uh, to salvation. I, I was born again uh, towards the end of my two-year mission trip, which ended up causing all kinds of repercussions uh, throughout my personal life, my familial life, my relationships, uh, and certainly my, my religious life. And, uh, and it all ultimately led me to being part of a full-time ministry now called Adam's Road, uh, which I have been part of for 15 years. And we've dedicated our lives to the proclamation of the gospel of Christ that uh, was re revealed to me when I was a, a young Mormon missionary. And I give God all the credit and glory for what he did in my life. And I like what you said about him pursuing me because, um, you know, God, it, it's almost like God, no matter how much I push back, uh, God didn't let me get away. <laughs> 
Yeah. And I think it's such a testament to, to his amazing love that, that even, even when I was his enemy, as we all were before we knew Christ, that, that he sent Jesus to pay that ultimate penalty for me and to die for me, even when I was his own enemy. And so uh, I'm grateful for that. Well, it's kind of fascinating with a lot of people leaving Mormonism at the moment, right? That there are options after Mormonism. And yet I just talked to a lawyer who told me he didn't even know the Christian option was out there really for ex-Mormons. He said wow. everywhere he went on Reddit and on Facebook, all he saw were ex-Mormons who had gone to atheism and were pretty angry about that. So kind of the unique thing about Micah's story and <laughs> is that he uh, represents this option of considering Jesus and considering biblical faith. And um, this lawyer thinks he just might do that. Well, that is amazing. And I think that was one of the things that really struck me about your book, Micah, was you were a person of faith um, from very early on. And yet you said just a few minutes ago when you were talking that even as you felt God pursuing you, there was some pushback, there was resistance. What do you think, what do you think contributed to that? Because there are so many people who they look at the Mormon religion, they look at the Mormon faith, and they go, it seems so close to Christianity. I mean, Mormons claim to be Christians, they want to be recognized within that broader camp. So why, as an LDS person of committed LDS faith, um, was there that pushback, do you think? I think for me, it was it was a matter of when I was exposed to the word of God in a way that I had never really been exposed my entire life. And and granted, you know, we read the Bible at times as 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 a family. I read it through seminary. But but when I sat down as a Mormon missionary and I really began to investigate what the New Testament had to say, it it opened up something to me that I didn't before know. And what I began to see was something that contradicted the the core tenets of my faith as a young Latter-day Saint. And, um, you know, it says in Hebrews 4 that the word of God is living and it's active and it's sharper than any <laughs> two-edged sword and that it pierces and divides and it, and it you know, it discerns the thoughts and intents of the heart. And so I think that that's what God was doing is, is the power of his word was, was piercing me and it was convicting me to allow me to begin to understand that there was something different outside of that which, which I knew. And I was the type of Latter-day Saint that I wasn't looking for something outside of my religion. You know, I believe that to come to know the fullness of who God was, who Christ was, and what he had to offer me, I felt like that could only be found within the construct of Mormonism. And so as I was reading the New Testament time and again as this young Mormon missionary, God was starting to open up a truth to me and a reality to me that was far removed from you know, that which I knew as a young Mormon. And I think that it scared me a little bit and it made me push back because the, the hardest thing for me about coming to know and understand the gospel of grace was removing myself from the equation. <laughs> because, <laughs> And what I mean by that is yeah. I was a prototypical religious man. And it's not to say I didn't have a sincere love for God because I believe that I did. Right. But I believe that my efforts and my merits and my established righteousness through my faithfulness to Mormonism somehow was establishing my right standing before God. And so I, I 
liked that feeling. And mm-hmm. I enjoyed the fact that I could say that I'm better than other people because I'm more faithful to, you know, the laws and the ordinances of my religious system. And then when you open up the word of God and you read the gospel message and you realize that every single person has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, right? Everybody is an enemy to God before Christ. And we all have no hope based on our own merit. And we can't be justified by works of the law. So all of a sudden I'm reading this message that says, Micah, you are not and never will be good enough. And it's not about you and it's not about what you can do. And it's not about how good you can make yourself before God. It's whether or not you have trusted in the work of Christ alone. And, um, and And I think that 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 was a hard reality for me to face. Well, it flies totally in the face of what is core to the Mormon belief system, which says that actually you can God's grace comes after all you can do. So you better be doing. And the more you do, the better off you're going to be and the less grace you're going to be in need of. So yeah, okay. That would be that would be a radical change in paradigm when it comes to grace and personal need um, for God. So and, and we're going to kind of focus in on that topic here in a couple of weeks. Um and, and really drill down on that. I wanted to say out loud the entire title of the book. Oh, yes. Passport oh, yes. to Heaven, the true story of a zealous Mormon missionary who discovers the Jesus he never knew. I assume by reading that New Testament. As far as the book, this is interesting that this experience happened to you finding Jesus, finding truth, reading the word on your Mormon mission. Um, how did you know to write this down? And, and did you know from the beginning this would be a story to tell? This would become a book? Yeah, so I was a pretty meticulous note taker from from the onset of my mission. I mean, you, you can go back to my early missionary journals from when I was in the MTC, the Missionary Training Center, and right from day one, uh, I was daily recording everything that was happening. I, I'm not sure when or why that decision was made, but at some point, uh, I, I, I made that commitment to daily journal the activities of my mission. And so... Um, so I did that um, very diligently, and I, I never really knew or understand that God was writing a story in my life at the time uh, until I started to get into the elements at the end. And I started to understand that um, that God had been doing something miraculous from the beginning. Um, but if you've read the book, there there is a time in there when it was revealed to me through a certain character that I was going to write a book. And uh, I, I was really taken aback by that because I thought, number one, I'm not really a writer. And number two, I don't have a story to tell. And the irony of when this kind of revelation was presented to me, I didn't necessarily have a story to tell. The end of it had not yet been written uh, by God's hand. And so it was kind of a, a precursor of what was to come. And I think that's what's what's so amazing about it. So I never really had an intent uh, or uh, a foreknowledge that I was going to experience some radical uh, story on my mission that I would then turn into a book. I just uh, really felt impressed by the Holy Spirit to to meticulously um, record everything that was going on. And it's amazing how God was able to use that to, to then craft uh, the, the book. Yeah, and, and the book has taken a while to birth, right? A number of years. So did you learn something in writing the book? Um, have you learned something about yourself and about God as the book 
kind of the story came together. Absolutely. That's been one of the most incredible experiences of writing the book itself is, is the personal growth that's taken place within me throughout that time frame. So within a week of returning from my mission in 2006, I began this process and I didn't finish the book for 15 years. So the person that I was when I began this process and the person I was when I completed this process were very different. And of course, both men were saved, but um, throughout those 15 years, I I certainly grew in the knowledge and grace of Christ. I matured um, in my process of sanctification. I went from infancy to, you know, at least some semblance of maturity uh, as a Christian. And so... For a long time, I I kind of struggled and was frustrated with God that this process seemed to be taking so long. Um, But as I look back now, I realize that had I written the book and released it, say, within four or five years after my mission, I don't believe that it would have the same potency that it does now because my perspective and understanding of the things that I had learned throughout the course of my mission, even then didn't fully come to my understanding. And so as I was learning these things and looking back on the story, God was showing me some incredible things that I didn't even realize at the time. And as I'm going back through journal entries and other things, I was able to, I think, have a deeper and more mature grasp of what was God, what God was doing. And so I think that through the later years, you know, in years 12, 13, 14 of writing this book, I really think that's when the heart of it came to, to be. And so I'm, I'm glad that God was patient with me throughout that process, because had I been impatient and tried to do it before it was time or release it before it was time, I don't think it would nearly have the same effectiveness that it does now. Yeah. So, so you're there- alluding to something that has to do with relationship with God. I think, right? Yeah. As if we become saved, but then there's a sanctification process that happens and it really is a process and it really is little by little. Can you talk a little about that and how it happened for you? Yeah, I was, I was going to ask, Micah, is there any like one area or element that as you look back, you go, oh yeah, in this area here, there's some real clear, like Lynn said, sanctification, maturity that happened that wouldn't have been there maybe at year four or five. Uh, yeah, um, uh, that's that's hard to, to answer off the top of my head. Uh, <laughs> but, but I will say this, I think that looking back on myself, right, as I was going through this process of being saved as a Mormon missionary, the deeper that I got in my own salvation, the more I realized how far I was removed from salvation at that point in my life. And I think it was actually a good thing because I maybe would have painted myself in a picture that was too generous at the time. And I think now, 15 years later, looking back, I can see how prideful I was, how arrogant I was, how, um, you know, full of unfaithfulness I was at times and be able to honestly portray that in my story, as well as to be able to honestly portray the other people and circumstances um, in my life that surrounded my conversion process as a missionary. One of the things that I've observed with a lot of people as they leave, you know, a works-based religion like Mormonism is within a year, two, three, there's a lot of, you know, animus toward their their former religion, right? So I think that they hold that contempt within themselves and they're not necessarily honest about 
who they were or the people around them. And I wanted, I'm glad that God gave me that time to get through that phase, right? That kind of anger phase, which I never really had as much as a lot of people, but I think there was still some of that that I held on to that I could kind of strip that away, right? And really be an objective observer within my own story and and to give a fair portrayal to to LDS doctrines to missionaries to my leadership a fair portrayal of myself and really just tell the story as it happened and that was something that I think really struck me as I read your book was that there was this back and forth of perspective it's like at times we've got the older mature Micah um, kind of explaining the scenario and that there's times when you drop yourself back into your mission and it's like you're right back there at you know 18, 19 years old and you're able to portray what you were doing and thinking and feeling. And I appreciated the fact that it wasn't all very flattering. There are some things that were um, like, wow, I mean, it's where we all live. It's where we all have come from, but that you were willing to paint yourself honestly and authentically, even back during those times and I, I think I agree. I think that maturity of perspective really deepens um, the impact of the book and that ability to go back and forth. Because uh, that's what I kept I kept being struck with. Wow, this is such like a mature understanding of what he was, but it's such a clear portrayal. And my guess is that almost anybody who picks up your book, all the way from it'd be great if it would happen. Missionaries still on their mission um, who would see themselves or maybe shortly after their mission would see themselves in that 18, 19 year old self. Uh, but then there'd be other people maybe further down the road who, as they see you reflect, go, oh yeah, um, maybe that's happened with me or maybe that should be happening with me now. So I think there's just so much to offer to a wide audience. Yeah. And that was one of the fun things about writing the book was, was I wanted to take people through every step of my journey and people to be able to relate to every step of my journey from the most zealous, you know, passionate missionary <laughs> to, you know, to a scared young man who was afraid of losing all he had to somebody who finally had that faithfulness to be grounded in Christ and be willing to lose, you know, the life that he knew and loved. And so when I was writing this story, I actually made a very deliberate effort to keep the narrative voice within the time frame of the story being told. So if I do a flashback to early my mission, the narrative voice is no longer the person who's telling the story from the end. It's, it's in that moment. And I think that that kind of gives it um, some, I think it gives it humor because you see this 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 dichotomy <laughs> yes. between the me telling the parts of my story at the end of my mission and the me, you know, throughout the mission. And you can see that narrative voice change, right, as each element of that story is being told. Right. And just so just so yeah. our readers understand, I just could say Micah was a zealous, committed LDS missionary. And because you hear stories of missionaries are kind of like half-hearted and they're getting away with everything they can on their mission and they're goofing off and doing all sorts of stuff. You hear about and they're, you know, people are human, but you were committed. In fact, if I remember right, you were the youngest missionary to be appointed a zone leader. Is in that my true? Mission, yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. In your particular mission. Mm -hmm. So that just, that speaks a lot to your dedication and to your zeal, uh, because to be a zone leader, that's an important, that's an important role within the mission, just because of you're an example and you're there, you're expected to lead and set the tone. Um, right. for the other missionaries in your zone. 
Right. And I think that that was one of the, the, the things I appreciated about being able to, you know, take 300 plus pages and tell my story as opposed to, you know, a 15 or 20 minute testimony on stage or in an interview, because one of the one of the blowbacks we get a lot, of course, as a lot of ex-Mormons do is, well, you never really believed it. You never had a testimony. You never understood the doctrines, those types of things. So in the book, I think I'm really able to set the stage for who I was as a Latter-day Saint. And, uh, and to really explain what I believed, why I believed it, and the depth to which I, I believed it at that point in my life. And I, and I think that that will hopefully, you know, give more credence to maybe the faithful Latter-day Saints who might pick up this book and say, okay, like this guy was no joke. I want to know how he got from point A to point B. And that's really what the book is, is showing how I got from, you know, the, the, the Saul-like Mormon missionary that I was to, you know, somebody who had totally been transformed by the grace of God. Yeah. So we have about four minutes left. Can you tell us what's your favorite passage in the book? Let's jump into the book. So kind of set the stage for us. Tell us why this section's important. And then will you actually read it to us? Oh, yeah, that'd be so cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I would love okay. to. Um, it's a hard question because, you know, there's so much of the book that is very personal to me. So there's a lot of different sections. I, I, I may not necessarily do my absolute favorite because I want to leave some for the reader. Um, but there is, <laughs> there is one paragraph that, that really stuck out to me. And uh, this is me reflecting as I'm looking back on having become born again. And I'm at the end of my mission and I'm facing uh, the cost of losing the things that I know and love. And, uh, and I said, upon recently coming to comprehend this great love, the unattainable burden of trying to make myself right with God had been lifted from the back, from my back by the pierced hands of Christ and placed upon his shoulders. After many years of working for my salvation, I had finally worked out my salvation in fear and trembling and had been perfected in true love through the righteousness of God by faith in Jesus Christ. And now I could rejoice knowing that I no longer feared whether my salvation was secure my good standing with God was ensured through the blood offering of Jesus Christ alone. And so I think that that paragraph summarizes my entire story and, and, and it emphasizes my efforts as a Mormon to try to find something that I could never find until I came to know what Christ had done for me. And that's my hope for the book is that people that read it who may be burdened in a way that I was burdened or have that uncertainty or fear as to whether or not they've done enough to appease God, that they can say or write the same thing that I did to know that they have the assurance uh, of the forgiveness of their sins, that they don't have to fear or wonder anymore, but they, they can have that guarantee that because of what Christ has done on their behalf, um, that they can have that assurance of, of God's love in Christ. Wow. That's so, oh, that is so cool. And again, just that element of God pursuing you and pursuing your heart um, at times, almost like he was dragging you, kicking and screaming um, out. So I just want to ask you, got a, got a little bit of time. As a committed, zealous LDS missionary, and I think as you looked around, and part of this comes through in the book too, that you would look around and go, yeah, I am probably doing better than maybe 70, 80% of the other people on my mission. Um, even at that level of commitment, what was your biggest fear? Because you talked, you mentioned that in there that you've been really, so what was that biggest fear? If you could remember that was, or maybe one of the biggest fears that you had, even in the midst of your zeal 
and doing as much as you could right. Yeah. I think probably if I had to strip everything down, I would say that my biggest fear was not knowing 100% that all of my sins were forgiven um, and not having that guarantee to fully know that I had done absolutely everything necessary that was being required of me to have, you know, my eternal life. And so the problem was as much as I was doing everything on the outside and as, as good as I was at fulfilling, you know, these outward expressions of Mormonism, I still knew my heart. And I still knew the things that I thought. Uh, I, I knew the things that 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 were going on inside of me that only God could see, and and that scared me, because I knew that even if my Mormon leaders or my parents or everybody else around me thought these good things of me, I knew that I couldn't hide certain aspects of my humanity and my fleshly nature from God, and uh, and so I think there was always that small part of me was uncertain. Like when God really sees the worst of me, like, have I done enough for him to overlook that? And so that's why for me, that was the biggest thing of coming to that point of finally recognizing the sufficiency of what Christ did, that all of those sins, I mean, past, present, and future had been cleansed and washed away. And that by having faith in what Jesus did for me, that I could be, you know, declared not guilty, that those sins were no longer mine. I didn't have to have that debt that I had accrued my entire life, that Jesus took that debt upon himself and paid the penalty in full. And, uh, and that was the most, you know, miraculous um, revelation that I've ever had in my life. Yeah. And that is a good place to end, Joel. What do you think? Yep. Oh, absolutely. And I'm glad we're doing multiple episodes with Micah because there's a lot more that um, we want to pursue and talk about. But so thank you, Micah, for this first in a series of podcast interviews. And blessings on you. We're excited for your book. Again, the book is Passport to Heaven. You can get that anywhere probably Christian books are sold. Who's publishing that? That's being published by Harvest House. Okay, by Harvest House. And I'm sure it's gonna be available on Amazon. um, And so you can get it there. So we wanna encourage you to pick up the book and yeah. All right. All right, grace and peace to you. Thank you, Micah, until next time. Thank you. So long. Thanks so much for listening to the Unveiling Grace podcast. You can find show notes and leave us your comments and questions at unveilinggracepodcast.com. We have an exciting announcement. Michael Wilder's new book, Passport to Heaven, is out, and for a donation of $20 or more to the podcast, we'll send it to you. It's the true story of a zealous Mormon missionary who discovers the Jesus he never knew. Just go to unveilinggracepodcast.com and click on the Micah's Book button to get yours. We appreciate your support of the Unveiling Grace podcast, where you can experience a grace that heals.